Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the fifth episode of Center Stand, the motorcycle industry podcast produced by the Progressive International Motorcycle Shows. You might know them as IMS. This episode is brought to you by Kenda Tires, and today we're going to hit on one of my favorite subjects, increasing and retaining youth ridership. So here is a reality check. Prior to the pandemic, fewer kids are riding bicycles and motorcycles. Between 2014 and 2018, the number of children between 6 and 17 who rode their bikes more than 25 times a year fell by more than 1 million. Talk about a huge drop. In order for us to grow our future rider base, it's important not only to get more kids on wheels, but to retain this group of riders. So today we're going to discuss strategies on how to encourage that enthusiasm and keep the joy of being on two wheels alive for decades to come. Our two special guests today have got great insight on that. Every motorcycle made needs rubber. And our man Jason Baldwin is director of power sports at Kenda Tires and a clear expert on the subject of youth ridership is Ryan McFarland, founder and chief enthusiast at Strider Bikes and founding board member for the nonprofit allkidsbike.org. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Robert. Thanks for having us. Fun All topic. Right. It is a fun topic, and I, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say right up front that I am I am biased. I am on the uh, allkidsbike.org uh, ambassador list. I'm an allkidsbike ambassador. I'm very proud of that. I think it's one of the things that is going to significantly uplift motorcycling in the future. So Ryan, thank you for that great honor. Uh, but I want to start with our friend from Kenda. Um, Obviously, Strider Bikes is involved in youth ridership, but I want to give Jason a chance to level set with us why Kenda is a key player in youth ridership and sort of the company vision on how to retain riders in the future. Jason, uh, would you give us a, a brief kind of insight into your background in power sports and, uh, and sort of what differentiates Kenda's power sports product lineup? Sure, Robert. Sure. Thank you for having me again. So uh, just a brief background on myself. I'm the director of Power Sports for Kenda Tires. Been in the industry 20 plus years, you know, right out of uh, school, master's degree, straight on the retail floor, right working in the retail end of it, then went from distributorship to manufacturers and kind of worked my way up through the chain. So tried to understand every aspect of it from, you know, the retail level all the way to the manufacturer level for that. So that's kind of that's kind of at least my background on it. And most folks would, would have an idea idea for that too and, and and what was your other question give that to me again i want to kenda's kenda's lineup what it's it's really vast and kind of tell us a little bit what kind of separates kenda tires from the rest of the rubber out there well, what's nice about us is that we do have a tire for everything. I mean, that's kind of our competitive advantage, everything from our automotive division to trailers to golf to to power sports to lawn and garden to you name it there. We've got a tire for everything. So that's kind of what separates us from the, the bigger guys, you'd say, the you know, some of the bigger ones that are out in the field there. But we have a, have a tire for everything, even to the fact of where we own three bicycle companies and our chairman sits on the board for three different bicycle companies, uh, similar to that, too, as well. Well, and so specific to power sports, Kenda, you got Kenda brand has uh, rubber for every many, many, many sizes of um, 
of motorcycles. Um, is there like, what's the bottom end range? Like what's the youngest a kid would be riding, um, you know, on Kenda tires? Four to six years old generally is what we say the starting range on. Ten-inch tires is what we come out with as far as on the power sports now. We do make some smaller tire, smaller tires for some youth, for some scooters, 6.5-inch, and some smaller uh, for some kids there. But generally, four to six years old age for the ridership for the youth of America on motorcycles. And, of course, Kenda goes all the way up into, uh, you know, enduro tires, street tires, touring product, all that kind of stuff. So um, jumping over to Ryan, Ryan, give us a little uh, background uh, for yourself and on Strider Bikes. Uh, and if you would also expand that into uh, what allkidsbike.org is all about. Okay, sure. So uh, Strider Bikes really was uh, born out of me as a motorcycling enthusiast wanting to teach my son how to ride and was looking for a way to really advance that. So, you know, I was impatient, wanted to get him riding early and uh, came up with a good design that really was helping him develop his skills at uh, just two years old. Had so many people asking me about the bike, decided to start the company. Um, since then, that was 13 years ago, um, you know, we've sold uh, just about 3 million bikes worldwide. And when you figure all the hand-me-downs and siblings and cousins and everything that end up with the, the first bike sold, we figure we've probably ta taught over 10 million kids pretty easily how to ride on two wheels. And hopefully we're setting that hook for loving that uh, freedom and mov mobility um, you know, at a super young age before kids get uh, sidetracked onto uh, other activities. Um, but, uh, you know, that's our mission at Strider. We're very focused on those early, early years because we feel like there's so much competition out there for a child's attention that if, uh, if we as a bicycle industry or motorcycle industry wait too long to uh, um, encourage those kids to join, uh, they're going to be you know, really uh, enamored with someone else's sport instead of ours. And so it really is a, a race to get their attention. And we feel like we're positioned well, because basically as, as soon as a child can walk, they can uh, get on one of our bikes and start cruising around the house and then the neighborhood. And hopefully they end up all, all the way onto a motorcycle. So, um, you know, it, so that started as really a, a true enthusiast. Uh, mission to kind of work with those early adopters and those parents that were going to be out there and actively getting their kids involved at a young, young age. Um, what I really realized, this is getting into the all kids bike mission of the nonprofit, is that, um, boy, the, the masses just are not finding their way to bicycles. The parents aren't leading them there. Um, you know, we have our niche with bicycle and motorcycle enthusiasts, but that, that's a small part of the population. And, uh, you know, the majority of kids are not finding their way onto a bicycle any longer. And, uh, you know, motorcycling is a percentage of um, that base or that foundation. So when bicycling declines, motorcycling is naturally going to decline. And, you know, kids just generally learn to ride bikes um, on their own in, in the past. And I think a lot of it was because there wasn't a lot of other activities going on out there. So the bike was the best thing they had going and they soldiered their way through the process on their own. But uh, the world is different today and kids have a hundred other things that can 
take their attention. And uh, so we can't just trust that that's going to happen automatically anymore. So the, the uh, All Kids Bike really was a push to say, okay, we got to go on the aggressive and we got to really reach out to all those kids and make sure everybody has a chance to learn how to ride a bike and taste that, uh, that uh, in independence and mobility that a bike offers. And when you try and figure out, well, how the heck do you reach all the kids? The answer really comes back to, we've got to get this in the schools. And that's what All Kids Bike does. All Kids Bike is on a mission to teach every kid in America how to ride a bike in kindergarten PE class. So lofty goal, but hey, what the heck, let's go for it. Well, I mean, this industry was founded on going big, right? And so if, uh, if every kid in America um, learns how to ride and balance, at, at such a young age, then that's just great for all of us. And I know uh, from past experience that um, Strider Bikes has products uh, for kids as young as 18 months, maybe even younger, depending on their ability to develop. Because uh, you can put a you can put a balance bike onto a rocking horse base, and the kid's first rocking horse can be the bicycle that they're going to learn how to ride. A little bit later on so so jason that's there's a clear overlap you know we're sitting in you know kids um at uh, almost uh, or just over uh, a couple years old you know 18 months couple years old um and then they start to stretch into your product range how does kenda get in front of uh parents uh to encourage their kids to ride both motorcycles and bicycles that's a great question there too i mean it is tough like you said like uh, ron was saying there's so many different uh outliers there's so many different things that are that are getting the kids attentions and, and a number of different things on that so we really have to be creative from that so we we sponsor a number of different things as far as riding schools all over the united states to try to get um uh, whether it's smaller youth riding schools individually whether it's dirt riding schools there or if it's also motorcycle safety foundations for the older kids i would say that it will actually have smaller kids that hopefully they can kind of pass their tradition on uh, we do a lot of grassroots sponsorships uh, we try our, our focus is we're opening up sponsorship right now for uh, for the 2021 season and we want to push for the kids aspect more than anything there so we're, we're looking for the younger crowd looking for that 15 and younger crowd for sure and then that that six-year-olds around that age so uh, we also travel to uh, the amateur nationals Loretta Lens, looking for the smaller guys and, and encouraging some for those two as that so uh, you know right schools, grassroots sponsorships, uh, pushing our social media, trying to have some youth and energy in our brand to that so people are gravitating toward it. So, you know, very um, high-profile athletes like uh, Jacko Strong just did X Games, um, Real Moto, doing, you know, multiple backflips and everything. The kids can say, holy cow, that's cool. I want to be like that when I get older. So we're, we're trying to hit a lot of those avenues, but uh, I wish we had a, a turnkey full source to say, uh, Mr. Pandy, if we had, you know, had, had the solution there, but we're, we're working on it for sure. So if somebody's listening in and they're, they're running a riding school or they have an idea for you know, for a youth kids bicycle camp or that's how, how do they get in touch with you to, to explore the possibilities of working with Kenda? How does that work? 
Uh, they can hop right on our website if they want to. Uh, they can click on the motorcycle and contact us right there. That's generally the easiest way. It goes right into our, our mailbox there. We filled all those emails each day with that. So that's that's probably the easiest way to get in touch with us as far as Canada. All of our social media channels we're very proactive on, so they can we, we get you know probably you know numerous requests every day. Hey, how can I get involved or anything like that? But we're definitely open and looking for that stretch across all throughout the North America, not just the United States, even into Canada too. So. Uh, just want to get you know f- find us here on social media or on, on the websites to, to get in touch with us. So that's a big encouragement because a lot of times when you you know you see a brand that's that's as uh, widespread in our industry as Kenda, you think that oh here's here's a big box full of people who've already got it all figured out. And in reality, a brand like yours needs help from a local community, right? Holy cow, we need some help. We need help all the time, and we're always looking for that, too. So we we, we push to, to actually have that communication and working with our local communities and, and, and communities throughout the United States. So younger kids, I mean, it, in some ways, it's kind of easier to set up a program for them, right? Because they're going to go wherever mom and dad drags them. But do you see an age where kids start to lose interest in cycling or where, you know, there's other competition for their attention where that particularly uh, perks up? Jason, is that something that that you can kind of put your finger on right now? You know, it's a good question. I don't know if I would want to label it as a certain age. I've got some ideas and some things as far as, you know, where some time frames. But it, it could be any time in the process, really, where the parents don't properly support, make the time to actively encourage some saddle time for that, too. I think we have a, a, an issue in the United States with physical activity. I think we need more physical activity. The, the all-kids bike is a phenomenal thing that Ryan has started there. So it's encouraging the physical activity. It's encouraging kids to hop on bicycles. And you've got to have the activation on it, too. Um, for for the racing end, I can definitely tell you it's around that 13 to 16 age uh, for that time frame. Driver's license, girls, a lot of times before as far as the teenagers end of it. But it's any time where, where I think the parents, don't, you know, don't really encourage it like they should. I think the parents definitely need to properly support it, make time to encourage it, and, and take the time to let these guys ride and ride their bicycles and motorcycles. So a big part of what you're hitting on is actually family riding, right? Correct. Correct. I mean, it's we we see it a lot. I mean, you you can ask a number of people, how did you get started in riding there? And and majority of the time, well, my father, my uncle, or somebody would have something like that too. So I know we encourage the kids in riding there, but we've lost a lot of the adults riding that really pushed it down into the kids riding on for these two. So I think we've got to look at the whole spectrum of riders. You know, we you know the Harley guys are aging out of a lot of things. Well, how are how are our our grandparents, our parents, going to push the riding? Not push, but allow them to have that excitement. Because there's nothing more exciting, like in, in, in Ron's case, is if you click on the all-kids bike, I was look, just, just looking at it yesterday, and, and I cried when I looked at the video. It's just phenomenal to see these kids and the big smiles on their face when they feel the, the excitement and enthusiasm under their legs there. It's just really cool for that. So I think that it needs encouragement for sure. Now, now, Ryan, with your kids, I remember, you know, we were sitting there having a, um, I think we were having a drink in Sturgis once or something, and you were telling me the story about how how you saw that, you know, kids were getting stuffed into minivans and getting taken directly to, like, uh, karate school. And they were, and, you know, when we were young, and we're about the same age, but when we were young, we used to have to ride our bicycle you know, to go to t-ball practice or whatever. And so that that bicycle element was missing. Can you speak a little bit about to um, sort of modern hurdles 
with, uh, you know, parents bringing their kids into cycling versus uh, like an all kids bike approach where literally the kids are bringing the parents into bicycling. Yep, you bet. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, our society has changed in um, many ways. I think when we were growing up, and a lot of people will remember this, is basically your parents just said, you know, go outside, go go away, kind of go entertain yourself, find your own uh, entertainment, make your own decisions, just be home before dark type of thing. And, um, you know, that's what we did. We headed out and we played and figured it out. Um, and uh, it, things weren't as structured. Um, and it seems like one of the big shifts is that uh, kids are very structured and at a really young age. You know, a lot of times, a um, couple decades ago, basically, a lot of these sports didn't start very early. You know, it was kind of middle elementary school is when you'd start getting into some sports. And a lot of times it was through the school or something. There might be some summer programs for Little League or something, but still it was an older age. And if we look at um, the number of sports, alternative sports opportunities that are out there now and that start at ages like uh, four years old, uh, really young, it's a completely different landscape. And parents have have uh, kind of gone along with the idea that this is now the new expectation. Oh my gosh, I need to have my kids signed up for an activity all the time, uh, which is very different. And when bicycling typically have, has uh, occurred, learning to ride a bicycle on two wheels um, for most people has occurred around age six. Well, when sports and other activities, organized activities started when you were eight or nine years old, that was fine. And I think this is one of the, the like competitions that has been going on in society for kids' attention that bicycling and motorcycling industries as a whole didn't even know was happening. Um, we just automatically got our participants with it without ever recruiting them. You know, they just naturally found their way onto a bicycle around age six. And then many of those kids uh, would move on to motorcycles. But you had this broad base of all these kids that learned to ride at around six. But now what's happening is all these other sports have said, hey, you know, I want more participants. So I'm going to start marketing to the uh, you know, the five-year-olds and then other sports say, well, I want all those good kids in my program. So I'm going to start marketing to them at four years old and so on and so forth. But I mean, it's amazing the number of programs that are out there um, for children at age four. And so when bicycling and motorcycling really doesn't kick in until about six, it's too late. We we lost it. Somebody beat us to the punch, you know. Um, and yeah, I'll give you one example here, which is kind of interesting. You know, uh, BMX racing um, and soccer really kind of both took off in the United States um, in the 70s. And BMX racing maybe has about 50,000 kids that participate in it uh, on an annual basis. But uh, soccer has 3 million. Um, you know, they just they just recruit like crazy and they recruit all the way down to, you know, three and four years old. And one interesting thing there is that it's very organized. So, uh, you know, a lot of times mom gets that schedule and she puts the schedule on her calendar and, you know, it gets done. I mean, we go to practice on this day and this day and this day and we play a game on this day and we repeat that week over after week. 
And bicycling is just kind of a recreational hobby that doesn't really get scheduled for most kids. And so it loses out to the schedule. It's like, oh, geez, you know, we can't go bike riding. We got soccer. Um, We've got this commitment. And um, so nothing against soccer. Uh, My kids play soccer, too. But I just think that uh, bicycling and motorcycling has maybe underestimated our opponents in these other sports and their um, very focused approach at scheduling time and attention with families. And um, when when we really look hard at that and realize, oh my gosh, Saturday morning, the bar- bike park has hardly anybody at it, but the soccer fields are, you know, there's a hundred cars out there. And you go to the soccer games and it's mom and dad and grandma and grandpa are all there supporting the kid. It's like we don't have that kind of support going for us. And that's uh, something that we just need to be aware of what we're up against um, for a structured activity. Right. I think bringing bringing to light that sort of assumption that, uh, you know, where the riders are going to come from, it's really hard to convert somebody who doesn't know how to ride and balance on two wheels by the time they're, you know, 18, 19, 25, or, you know, to here, get on this motorcycle that has 40, 50, 60 horsepower and, and be part of our world. That's, that's a, that's a big challenge. Um, uh, Jason, can you talk a little bit about um, talk about the, like the bicycle side of the business? And um, you know, most of our listeners are in the power sports side of things, but uh, obviously, you guys are have a product diversity that um, bridges between bicycling into motorcycling back and forth. How do you guys uh, see that as being an important part of your your marketing strategies? How that how the times have changed there. I mean, just just recently there, I think the the e-bike market is really what's taken off right here, and I think that's what's really what's bridging that gap between the motorcycles and the bicycles part of that too as well. Um, you've got a number of different manufacturers that are going direct and setting up dealerships throughout the United States. Some high-end manufacturers like Specialized and Giant, and then our manufacturer Haro. We're talking to distributors right now about getting set up. I know Parts Unlimited, a big distributor, is just set up for the intense bicycles there. Too. So there's a big gap that's actually uh, being bridged from that, too. On the racing ranks, we're seeing it because our professional riders are actually riding the e-bikes to pre-ride the courses. You're not allowed to ride a motorcycle on the courses there. They can't take the time to walk 12, 10 miles on a course for there, so they're using these e-bikes to actually bridge the gap, get some time on there, and not be worn out for a lot of the things. So, so we're seeing a lot of our professional riders be riding the e-bikes, too, as well. And then you see folks like uh, even in on the Stasic end of it there, a uh, good friend of mine works for Stacy here. I was just talking to him yesterday, just kind of acting, you know, just asking him some questions. I know because we had the the podcast coming up, and, and these guys are doing activational events there, where they're there. There's a big jump from the Strider bike to the say Cobra 60cc bike right there that has the 20 horsepower that you were talking about, mm-hmm. Robert, for there. So we need that electrical. We need that kind of jump in between it for those on the on the bicycle end for that. So the e-bikes are, are making a big a big push into there. We're seeing we're seeing a lot of folks that are actually going into the e-bikes, using them for training, using them for course recon for that too as well. And then, then a lot of folks are just using them for exercise alone. So we're, they're using it to exercise to, to help them for the, you know, in the professional ranks on the motorcycles end, end of it too as well. So we're seeing a big fluctuation between bicycles, motorcycles, and what, what is a bicycle? What is an e-bike? How are these meshing together, class one, twos, and threes, 
something like that. So it's a it's a big it's a great time to be in right now in the, in the industry. And the pandemic has actually brought a lot of things to light with a number of different people. Just you know, hey, I've got to socially distance. Well, how can I get out there? Well, you know, it's it's hit perfect for Kenda. Well, I need an RV maybe. Well, here's our RV trailers and tires. And shoot, I need a bicycle that goes with that. And well, here's a bicycle that goes. So it's kind of worked really well. And that's kind of how we've kind of bridged the gap between both of those. Yeah, so, I think it's. I was just going to say, I, I think it's um, pretty neat how the electric industry is stitching bicycle and motorcycling together. You know, Strider, uh, we really work in both industries. So we've been going to trade shows in the bicycle industry and in the motorcycle industry. And, and um, it, you know, they're, they're like the uh, estranged uh, brothers. <laughs> they, they have... <laughs> Two-wheeled riding and enjoyment at their core, it is their DNA, and yet they've gone down these different paths, and it's like they don't interact much anymore, and and yet um, there's so much to be shared there and so much to be celebrated and worked on together from advocacy and rights and all kinds of things that, uh, you know, we're stronger together than we are apart. And for whatever reason, those two industries have, have really uh, spread further and further apart, and it's fun seeing how the electrification of each one has started stitching them back together. I remember going to uh, bicycle shows and, you know, most of the bicycles would be uh, electric assist, you know, that you still had to pedal them and there'd be like a couple fringe companies that had a twist throttle on them, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and you go on the motorcycle side and there's electric motor motorcycles and then there'd be one or two companies there that had a pedal assist, you know, and they were the fringe. And it's like, oh, man, they're so close if they just realize that this is what creates the overlap from one end of the spectrum to the other and uh, and pull that all together. I mean, I'd love to see the trade shows actually merge. Um, you know, trade shows are, are sometimes struggling. Interbike, the bicycle trade show basically hasn't held a didn't hold a show didn't hold a show this year and it was canceled before the pandemic. So it wasn't mm -hmm. because of that. It just, uh, you know, that industry is struggling and I'm thinking, ah, if we could just get bike bicycling and motorcycling to join forces and celebrate everything from a little kid's bicycle or a strider, um, all the way up to, you know, full blown motorcycle racing machines and bicycle racing machines and everything in between, we would be stronger for it. But, uh, the elect the electrification of both industries, I think, is going to be maybe their savior as they as it just brings them all together. Not a replacement to either one, but uh, the piece that brings everyone back together again. That's a that is a that's a great perspective, Ryan. The um, it, it stuns me the opportunities we have in in both bicycling and motorcycling. Um, to cross over into the RV boom, for instance, you know, how easy is, is it to um, toss a strider bike or, or a rack of bicycles on the back um, or that new uh, that new Honda uh, Trail uh, 125 that just got announced, for instance, you know, fourth for I think it's four thousand dollars, five thousand bucks or something like that. Um, kind of retro, super easy to ride and uh, and brings back that sort of dinghy vehicle and so we've got all these people who are doing things outdoors um 
what have you do you guys have either this is a question for either of you do you guys have uh examples of other brands that are doing it well that are finding that crossover audience that um you know uh, uh people we should be watching for for examples on how to speak to uh cyclists and motorcyclists or how to kind of bridge that gap without us having to imagine, you know, somebody in spandex wearing chaps at the same time. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to be able to get rid of that image now. Oh yeah, I know. Uh, I, geez, I just, I just, I do? just, I just ruined your dinner. <laughs> I apologize, gentlemen. I sorry. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, the, the big motorcycle manufacturers, I think, uh, a lot of them have, uh, electric plans out there. I'm kind of surprised that they aren't coming to market faster. And the perfect place that I see electric coming into play is with kids. Um, you know, Osset is out there doing a great job, but I mean, they've, they've proven it out. They've been out there for 10 years, my kids, when they were uh, three. So that was, you know, 14 years ago, uh, right when I was starting Strider. The little Osset electric trials bikes have been out. So it's like the concept is out there. It's proven itself and why the major manufacturers, I don't know why we don't have an electric PW out there and all these smaller electrics um, it, targeted towards the beginner. Um, and uh, you just uh, you just make riding that much more accessible. I mean, if you think about this, if you got a current dirt bike and you're a little kid, um, even if you know how to ride it already, you really can't ride it unless your dad takes loads all the stuff up and you drive out someplace and you know in your designated area and it becomes a big thing and you're lucky to have that happen maybe once or twice a month in many many instances but you talk about a little electric motorcycle and i mean a kid could ride it every single day you can ride it in the house if you got a you're living in the suburbs and you got a house with an unfinished basement you could ride it in the house year round. I mean, the uh, the po the possibilities for kids to get seat time and throttle time uh, on electrics are just amazing because there's you know they don't have to fuel them. They're not going to get burnt. They're all of the issues with that next layer, that next level of uh, um, dirt bikes just isn't present yet. And so kids can get uh, you know they can get the time the seat time and and practice in. And uh, I mean, my kids spend hours and hours on Ossets just playing around in the yard and they didn't, it didn't require the same um, amount of supervision um, and uh, execution from, from the parents as going dirt biking where you're loading everything up and heading yeah. out. Jason, who are you seeing as, uh, as sort of inspiring brands or others that are, uh, or inspiring ideas, I should say as well? What, what do you see out there? I wish I could. I wish I could give you some really good examples on some of those. I mean, like Ron was saying, there's there's a number of different manufacturers: Yamaha, Ducati, a lot of these guys that are going into the electric bike world, but they're not coming out with the kids' end of it. Though, you know, they're mm -hmm. coming out with these big mountain bikes that they're having it there. And then, you know, Yamaha. I think that they're only setting up uh, bicycle dealers for that. And it seems like if I'm a Yamaha dealer, I'd want to have everything and access to everything for that. So I wish I had some good brands and some good examples. To be honest with you, that are really crossing over and doing it really 
well for both of those things. And and you know, we Rad Power Bikes is is probably your one of your biggest electronic bikes uh, in in the United States, and mm-hmm. I think they've got around forty percent market share. They we're, we're OE on their tires there, but we're not seeing the smaller kids bikes. It's more of a uh, cargo bikes and you know city bikes and some things like that. But uh, we we need to have that branding and that 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 brand that's actually going to pull these things together and focus on the smaller kids amount because we're not we're not seeing it now other than a stasic i would say probably stasic which is owned by harley davidson they they're getting it they're starting to get it and what they're also doing is they're they're working with uh like the kawasaki race of champions they're doing a lot of activation events now it's very hard to do an activation event during covid right now what we're doing but i believe that these folks are they've got a little bit bigger scale electronic bike they're focusing on the kids and they're shooting for activation we're seeing these uh, uh popping up in dealerships all over nationwide if i had to put on a uh, put a brand that's actually activating it pretty well i would say that stasic brand is doing pretty decent yeah they're definitely interesting to watch and and uh uh hopefully with a with a little bit of push from uh uh from the new ceo at harley davidson there would be some uh, even more uh opportunities there i know that uh ryan and strider bikes laid uh, some huge foundations in um, their Strider World Cup series. So if you guys, you know, want to be entertained while you're pretending to work these days, all you got to do is go onto YouTube and punch in uh, Strider World Cup uh, Japan or uh, Charlotte or whatever, and and you will see um, some of the best racing action. Uh, and some of it, you know, being completely dominated by little, you know, four-year-old Japanese girls wearing tutus, which is, you know, fantastic, <laughs> right? So, um, all right, so we're going to wrap some things up here, but I have a question to both of you guys, all right? And uh, uh, we'll let uh, Jason answer first here. But my question is, Jason, um, if you had the entire uh, U.S. dealer base in front of you, and you could say a couple of sentences to them uh, in terms of uh, uh, you know what your encouragement is for them or what your ideas are for them. Uh, what would you say to them? And then Ryan, you can follow up with your answer to that. Okay. Well, it's on the ride. I mean, that, that's what got us hooked. I mean, you, you look at Ryan's websites on there, the All Kids Bikes, it's it's the smile, it's the excitement. If you can keep the excitement and the joy of a ride here, it'll retain their excitement. You've, you've got to have the activation. You've got to keep their interest there. You've got to make it more fun here, more than shopping. It's it's interactive here. It's not a chore to do these things. We need to let them play on that. I would say that the, one of our biggest hurdles that we need to do in the power sports end is is a reduction on our pricing. It is it is very expensive to uh, say a Yamaha YZ65 for a kid right now. That age range is from seven to eleven years old. Five thousand dollars is what the cost of something like that is right now to purchase it off the showroom floor. If I'm an adult and I've got a kid, man, do I really want to step into this arena? Do I need five thousand? Do I have a truck that goes with this here? Uh, like Ryan was talking about, where's my riding area for something like that? We've got to reduce the costing on that, and and that's something we're working on even with Kenneth up in our engineering facility is is finding less expensive ways for tires, uh, finding ways to to have run flats where you don't have to change the tires and tube so much, make it easier for you to ride and i think the electricity is what helps there's no air filters there's no oil changes in there they plug it up and go for those so activation and 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 definitely another thing is is, is we, we've got to increase our pie 
right? We're, we're, we're all we're all in competition. We all want to sell more. We want to do that, but we're only we only have so much pie right here. We need to double this pie in the United States and have that more activation and have the people on there. We need to have IMS and AMA and and MIC and all these organizations working together for one cause. We don't mm-hmm. have them all working. We've got some folks. Yes, we're continue the ride here, or we're you know we've got a we've got a AMA over here trying to do this and, and increase ridership, and then we've got manufacturers you know trying to do some things. We need a one jointly concerted effort throughout the whole United States, the whole world. That's actually going to get more people on motorcycles, reduce the pricing, help our land areas there, give us places to ride for that. That's because what's going to help us in the long run. Ryan, take it away, my man. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, uh, I think this has been a struggle in the bicycle and motorcycle industry is <clears throat> we are all enthusiasts and our our perspective and our vision is kind of clouded by that. And I tried to think of a little bit of an analogy. And I think if uh, if we as an industry all like got together and we're in a group and and uh, this visual of, okay, let's look backwards. Let's look back behind us all the way back to where the beginners are. And let's see what the beginners are needing. And we're looking back there. And I think what ha- what's happening is we look back, but what we're seeing is just the tail end of the enthusiasts. And we don't realize that the teeming masses, the vast majority of people that we need to reach are actually clear back over the hill, though they don't even know where we are. We're so far out away from where the public is from a recruitment standpoint that they don't even see where we are or how in the world they would ever reach us or get to us. And um, so, and I think that's a long path. It starts with getting kids excited about bicycles and uh, keeping them excited about bicycles. And it may be that, uh, you know, e-bikes and e-moto bikes uh, play a part in this whole path. But there is, a, there is a long, long path to get for us to reach all the way back to the people who are not involved at all right now and bring them into this group that we are typically always talking to and about and part of. Um, it's a long path. And I think that uh, a lot of our efforts don't go back nearly far enough. We're still, um, you know, even so many of our efforts are still serving the enthusiast group. Um, and the, the the main group that we need to reach to recruit from is far, far back. And so um, we got to take a very high level look to realize exactly how far back they are and how much bridge building we need to do to get back to that level and welcome them in. Well, that is some terrific insights from our two guests today. I want to thank both of you guys for uh, being part of this conversation. Jason from uh, Kenda Tires, Kenda giving us some some extra traction at uh, at the on the podcast today. So thank you for that. I want to thank Ryan for his continued stewardship of uh, youth rider, and and that is a mission that he has been on. Uh, on a personal note, I encourage all of you dealers out there to raise 4000 bucks for a local school to sponsor that school for five years on an allkidsbike.org program. You're literally going to be creating your own future customers. But it's not just about that. 
it's it's literally one of the best feelings in the world when you see a see a little kid uh, go from being like a little bit scared of this thing to uh, within as as little as a few minutes starting to get that feeling of freedom that we all sort of take for granted. So. Again, thanks to uh, Ryan from Strider, Bright, Strider Bike, excuse me, and uh, Jason from Canada Tires uh, for giving us insights on this fifth episode. Um, I want to encourage all of you guys to log on to continuetheride.com and subscribe for our newsletter. We're going to feature articles that dive even deeper into our discussed topics. Uh, our next episode. Uh, jumps into increasing female ridership and what we as an industry can do to address the 51% of our population that has not always received the invitation to be part of this community. Um, so we're looking forward to that conversation. Uh, remember, log on to continueride.com and subscribe. Thanks for taking the ride with us today. We appreciate it. We'll see you guys down the road.